So here Laban begins to, to resent Jacob. And when God blesses even his people, you know, the world begins to get bring and begins to get resentful towards them. Sometimes God will bless his people. Okay? Here's Psalm 112, verses 1 through 3. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10 of that same chapter. The wicked will see it and be grieved. They'll be, they'll be resentful. And here we see Laban fulfilling the word of God. It wasn't even written yet at this time. He's already getting, he's, he's the wicked. He's deceived Jacob uh, many times. And um, he's beginning to get, he's beginning to grieve or resent Jacob. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. So this is a blessing to all you people. You know, in, in the Old Testament, there's many blessings that go on. Read Psalm 115. It's only five verses. Psalm, Psalm 15, I'm sorry. Psalm 15. And it's five verses. It's important to every believer because a lot of believers, um, you know, don't walk in the right way that they should. And this, this, uh, this uh, chapter in Psalms, verse 51, is very important to the walk of a believing Christian, a believer in Christ. Verse 1, Psalm 15, verses 1 through 5. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on the holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. That's a promise to, to us today. If you abide in God's tent, in his holy hill, and you walk with integrity and do works of righteousness and speak truth in your heart, you don't slander with this tongue. We know that we did studies in James where the tongue is deceitful and desperately wicked. You know, we, who can tame it? It's like the rudder on a ship. You know, a little thing that guides that whole ship. This tongue is very important. We know not to slander with it. You know, with the Jews in the wilderness, remember, they griped and complained constantly. And what did they get for? They got bit by vipers. You know what? You're opening up the door for the enemy to bite you like a viper. And we can't do that. We, we can't take up reproach against our, our friend. You know, we, we, sh we should... Love the reprobate, but despise the way they work, okay? In whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. We should love one another. This is already leading up to Jesus' uh, great commandments to us to love one another as he has loved us, okay? To love one another and all men will know we are his disciples by the love we have one for another. We love one another who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt. This means that if a Christian 
will say something, he would, uh, he's going to honor it even if it cost him some money. Maybe, he, maybe uh, if he made a promise, he's going to do it. He's going to follow through. He's going to follow through with it. He's, gonna, he's going to, to uh, honor his word. He doesn't have to sign a piece of paper to honor his word. If he said it, he'll do it. See, God, God's like that. If he said it, he'll do it. He don't need to write it on a piece of paper. He's the highest of the highest. And if he said it, it will happen. It will come to be. A, a righteous man will swear to his own hurt, and he will not change. He does not put out his money at interest. That means if your brother comes to you and says, can you lend me $200, you can say, okay. You don't say, okay, but I want 250 back. No, you give it to him. And if he gives it back, praise the Lord. If he don't, then that's okay too. You're still going to love your brother. Um, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He refuses to break, uh, break the law. He take a bribe. He who does these things, God promises from his word. This is a promise. He who does these things will never, never be shaken. And here's we're going to see that Jacob, you know, treated his uncle Laban with great respect the time he was there and prospered his herds. Jacob senses now that Laban's attitude has changed. He sees that God has prospered Jacob. So these last six years, 14 years he worked for Rachel and Leah, okay? These last six years he worked for, the, for a flock to get some uh, animals, which we read last week. And Jacob had knew a lot, okay? And he really began to outstrengthen and outgrow Laban because of his experience with the, uh, the sheep and the goats. Verses... Um, Three tells us God calls Jacob to return to Canaan. And remember, when he fled from Canaan, Esau wanted to kill him, his twin brother. Now, they weren't identical twins, but they were twins. And his brother uh, Esau threatened to kill him. And that's why his mother, you know, Rebekah, sent him to Uncle Laban's before till Esau called down. Esau was going to wait until Isaac was dead, and then he was going to go kill his brother. But as we learned from the one chapter, actually Isaac thought he was on his deathbed, but he was not. He lived to be several years older, like 15, 20 years, I believe, before he ever died. And therefore that gave uh, you know, uh, Jacob some time or Esau some time to cool off. So Jacob really now is is placing himself in a vulnerable position because God says in verse 3 there, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So there's a promise there. There's a command, and there's a promise. The command is return to Canaan, to your fathers, and, and with your family. And he promises that he will be with him. And that's important. Every Christian ought to know that it's important that God is with him, and he is with you. If you receive Christ as your Savior, he is in your heart, and he is with you, and he's not going to leave. We studied that when we studied about the Holy Spirit, you know, that the Holy Spirit comes now upon you, and he's in you, not like the old 
prophet days where the prophet the spirit came alongside of them and even sometimes came into David and stayed for a period of time but then left you know um and but he's always on, on the paraclete the paraclete side is the greek word is para which means paraclete paramedic paralegal he comes alongside and that's what happened in the old testament for the most part okay it's time now for Jacob to trust God. Twenty years has gone by. He ran away. He wasn't trusting God. Because you remember the promise was that the younger will serve, the older will serve the younger when they were born, even though Jacob was born second. Esau got the birthright. But the prophecy was that the, the youngest will receive the blessing. And Rachel and Jacob connived a plan, and they they shouldn't have i'm sorry it was rebecca and jacob connived a plan and and deceived uh isaac they should have just left things alone instead of trying to help god and it would have happened anyhow god gives a promise there i will be with you and just for every believer to know that i remember i just told you genesis 28:13 through 15 says that Behold, and here's God talking. He said, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. So, God has already spoken to Jacob. We find out that he's one of the patriarchs. You know why? Because the promise of God went from Abraham and then God pronounced it to Isaac. And now in verse 25 or 28 of, chapter of Genesis, God gives that same promise to Jacob. And here was the promise. Now out of chapter 28 of uh, Genesis, there are six promises made here to Jacob. Number one, Jacob's descendants will inherit Canaan. Okay? We know that that. He's going back, and we know that the Jews will, were going to take uh, Canaan, okay? That is the promised land that God sent Abraham to, to uh, go to, and he did go to it, but he never owned anything in the land except the cave of Machpelah where he buried, you know, he buried Rebekah, okay? Um, number two, God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob descendants that they would flourish, they would be like the dust of the earth and the stars of the sky. And we know today that, that the Jewish and the Hebrew race cannot be counted. And because you and I are descendants of the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we too are part of that promise. We too would be added to, to the Hebrew, not only the bloodline, but the faith line of, of Jacob and Abraham and Isaac. Okay, the faith line. And believe me, that number cannot be counted even to this day. It'd be like the sands of the seashore and the stars of the sky. It would be impossible to number. And number three, Jacob's descendants would be scattered over the earth. We know, I even went online, looked it up, you know, that, that the descendants of Abraham are scattered all over the earth. Everywhere you went as a, on a missions trip, you found a believer there or a Jewish person there. 
They are scattered all over the earth. The Hebrew Jews and the Christians. The Hebrew Jews are the bloodline. And remember, the Christians are the faith line. And what saves you is faith, not blood. Not their blood. The blood of Christ is what saves you. So if they look at the blood of Christ, then they will be saved. I may rub a few Hebrews the wrong way, but I'm sorry that's the way it is. But as many as received Christ, he gave you to become power to become the sons of God, even those who believe in his name. Believe in his name. Believe in what he did. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. You aren't saved because you're Jewish. You're saved because you put your faith in the blood of the Jewish Messiah that came and redeemed you with his blood because he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And if you want to refute that with Scripture to me, call me up, 561-601-1130, and I will explain it all to you so that you can know you're saved by faith through Christ. By grace, you're saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not that any man should boast. And that gift is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son as a gift. And whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. That's promise number three. Promise number four. All families of the earth will be blessed by Jacob's seed. Listen, we're all blessed because of the seed of Jacob. And that seed, remember, is the seed of the woman which was promised to break, to bruise the skull of the serpent. And, and the serpent would only bruise his heel. And the cross, he just bruised Jesus' heel. You know why? Jesus didn't have to die. He was sinless. He even told the Jews, which of you can convict me of sin? And none of them could say a word. None of them can say a word. Now, if you ask me that, I would say, I'm sorry, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. But Jesus was unguilty. And the penalty, the, the, the wages of sin is death. And since Jesus never sinned, death had no dominion over him. And therefore, as the scripture said, he would rise from the grave. As, as, Nona, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man, the Son of God, be in the heart of the earth. But the third day, he was going to rise again, and he did. And we all know that. That's fulfilled in Christ. And Galatians 3.16 says, And to your seed, which is Christ. Christ is the seed of God in Genesis 3.15. Number five, God would be with Jacob wherever he went. Isn't that good to know? Even with the great commission that Jesus gave us, I am with you even to the ends of the earth. Wow. God is with me. I've been to several countries, and I know you probably have, maybe even all over the United States, and I know God has been with me everywhere I go. You know, I know it, and he, and he will. It's a promise. He said he'll never leave you or forsake you. He who began a good work in you, shall perform it. You know, that means he's with you. Um, and then Hebrews 13, 5, which everybody knows, I will, leave, will never leave you or forsake you. And number six, the last promise given to Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob, which establishes him as the third patriarch. He says, I will bring you back to this land. God says, I'm going to, okay, okay, uh, Jacob, you speak. You fled the pan, 
Padam Aram, okay? You've been there 20 years, but I'm going to bring you back to the promised land, which I promised to, to Abraham. And it is fulfilled 20 years later. And also, that has a dual prophecy, because in 1948, guess what happened to Israel? They became a nation again. They start going back to Israel, and now they have a nation again over there in, in Israel, okay? And that's a two full, fulfilled promises by that, okay? It established that this, these promises established Jacob as the third patriarch. And we notice that in, that in those chapters, we saw Jesus, who was the latter, when he told Nathaniel in John chapter 1, verse 51, he said, Nathaniel, you, you believe that I'm the Messiah just because I saw you under the fig tree? He wait till you see, he says, you're going to see angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And I'm sure it's not written in the scriptures that Nathaniel saw that, but I know he did because the word of God says so. And, he, you know, Jacob saw a ladder, and that ladder, all the angels came up and down on the, on the ladder, and at the top of the ladder was the Son of Man. Jesus is the ladder. He's the only way to heaven, and Jesus even told us that. He said, I'm the, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. So, listen, Jesus wasn't a liar. He is the absolute truth. You know, when Pilate, Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate said, what is truth? And Jesus says, standing there, there's the truth, standing right before him, and he had no idea what truth was. The truth, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. On the life. Pilate didn't recognize it. I hope you do out there over the internet. I hope you recognize that Jesus is the truth. He said he's the truth and he hasn't lied about it. You know, if he was lying about it, that wouldn't disqualify him as the Messiah. And certainly wouldn't arose from the dead because that would make him a sinner. But he he's true. Psalm 105, verse 8 says, God remembers his covenant for every, forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. That means if God said it, it's as good as done. Remember when we went to the 22nd chapter of Genesis and, and uh, God told Abraham to go up and sacrifice Isaac to, to him? You know, um, he, he told him, he says, I, it was three days. When so the time Isaac, or, uh, Isaac asked Abraham the question, you know, three days went by. And as soon as God said that to Abraham, he considered his son as good as dead. But it still had to be performed. But he took his son, and just before he was ready to slay his son, God said, Hope, now I know that you love me more than anything in the world. And then Abraham saw the ram caught in the thicket. And he went over and grabbed the, the, the ram, and the ram was sacrificed in the place of Isaac. And same with us today. Jesus was sacrificed in the place of you being on that cross. Did you ever realize this? For the most part, 
from my studies of scriptures and even going to Greek um, historical biblical sites about the cross, uh, usually in Rome, what there was was an upright beam set in a hole. And then Jesus would carry, or the one being crucified would carry the patabellum, it's called. That's the horizontal. That's the horizontal bar. Jesus would have it on his back. And you remember Simon the Cyrene was, because Jesus fell three times, that Simon the Cyrene was commanded to carry that. God, you know, what he does is he takes a minus sign and turns it into a plus. By once that beam was lowered onto the cross and jolted down there, now the negative becomes a positive. It's no longer negative, it's positive, because now Jesus turned a negative of our sin into a plus sign of the cross so that we can get to heaven. Isn't that kind of cool? way God does things. And now you wear a cross around your neck, an instrument of destruction. But you wear it around your neck because it's an, it really recognized as an instrument of love, great love. And any man would lay down his life for a friend is the greatest love of all kind. God is calling Jacob here to, to, to honor his vow that he would be his God. And I'll get to that verse as time goes on. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I got it right here for you. Verse 13 of, verse 13 of, of uh, Genesis 31. I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Twenty years previously, Jacob vowed this. Here's the vow. Listen to this. Twenty years prior now. I will be with, if God, here's what he's saying, if God, and I brought this up when I taught through that chapter, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I will come back to my father's land in peace. Then, in other words, if you do this, I'll do that, God. It's not, not the way God wants it. But God's calling him to honor. He said, then the Lord will be my God. Really, up to this point, Jacob's, well, his first priority wasn't God. And now God's calling him to honor that promise. You said, if I take care of you, if I'll be with you, if I, if, I, if I keep you on the way, and if I give you bread to eat, and I give you clothing to wear, so that you can come back to your father's, father's land in peace, then I will, you will be my God. And God's causing him to honor that. I fulfilled my promise. Now you, Jacob, will fulfill your promise. Am I your God? You're going to see what happens as the chapters go on. So, verses 31, chapter 31, verses 4 through 13. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field and to his flocks and said to them, I see your father's countenance that it is not favorable toward me, towards me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might I served your father. Yet your father has deceived me, 
changed my, and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said this, that the speckles shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. If he said thus, the streaks shall be your wages, then all the flocks shall be streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given it to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped on the flocks were streaked, speckled, striped, speckled, and spotted. Then the angel of God, this is the pre-incarnate Christ here, there's a capital A, the angel of God, spoke to me in a dream. That's Jesus is speaking to Jacob in a dream. Jacob, and I said, here am I. And he said, lift up your eyes now and see. All the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and spotted gray. For I have been with, I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of the land, and return to the land of your family. Do you know what that's basically saying? I caused the streaked rams to mate with the other lambs, and then all the lambs that were born were striped, speckled, and spotted. So God's saying, I was with you. I caused the rams that were speckled to leap on the other, uh, other lambs, on the, babe, on the female uh, lambs, okay? And God caused the increase of all the speckled, striped, and spotted. And therefore, the deal was, I'll work for you for another six years, Laban, but all the speckled, striped, and spotted lambs and goats will be mine. And that's what's happened. God's growing the flock of, of Jacob, and he's taking away the flock from Laban because Laban mistreated. God said here, I have seen all that your uncle Laban has been doing to you. God's going to take place. You know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Jacob has been, been, uh, been patient. And I told you many times, if you're part of this congregation, patience is a weapon that will force deception to reveal itself. Patience is a weapon. So, listen, be patient, church. It's a weapon. Eventually, if there's any wickedness or deceit in it, it will be revealed in the time that you're patiently waiting. It will be revealed. Laban's continence no longer is favorable to Jacob. Jacob shares his dream with Rachel and Leah, what God told him to do. God gives Jacob, uh, uh, God gives, Jacob gives God as the one responsible for his success. And he was. Even though Jacob knew a little bit about, about raising lambs, God was the one that caused the rams to jump, the spotted rams and the speckled rams, to jump on the other lambs to produce speckled, spotted, and striped sheep. So two ways God is going to use uh, to humble, uses Laban to humble Jacob, to break his pride, okay? This uh, Jacob being a better deceiver than Jacob, well, Laban, I'm sorry, to be a better deceiver than Jacob is going to break his pride, okay? He was an amateur deceiver compared to Uncle Laban. And number two, to drive Jacob back to Canaan. In other words, the circumstances have changed. What are we going to do? And then God 
appeared to him as the angel of the Lord in a dream and says, go back to your, your land. Okay? So we find out here that Laban must have made promises for Jacob's wages, and he changed them ten times. How would you like your employer to say, hey, from now on you're going to work for, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire you at $20 an hour, um, and you say, oh, man, that's nice. And then a year later he comes to you and says, I'm just lowering your wage. I'm not paying you 20 anymore. I'm going to pay you 15 it wouldn't make you very happy, right? Some, some employers do that. And that's not the kind of employer that I just read out of Psalm 15. He's a man of integrity. Okay? Verse 13. I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. And that vow was the one, you know, if you do this, God, then I will... I will, you will be my God. But don't, listen, anybody, don't make, a, don't make a foolish vow to God like that. Say, if you do that, I'll do this. No, you know what? Just do it. Just do it. And God sees it, and he will bless you for it. So Jacob takes his caravan and he's leaving. Verse 14, And Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion of the inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers for him? For he has sold us and has completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Then whatever God has said, to you do it. So Jacob's asking Rachel and Leah, what should he do? And they, they say, listen, our father sold us as women to you, okay? And, and number two, you know, God has has taken from, we wanted, we had, we had an inheritance, but he don't have anything to give because God just gave it all to Jacob, practically all of it to Jacob. So they realize that they have been blessed through their husband Jacob, you know, because, because, uh, Jacob's flock and their flock was actually bigger at this point than Laban's, okay? Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels, and he carried away all the livestock and all the possessions which he had gained and acquired livestock, uh, which he had gained in Pandan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep. Rachel had stolen the household idols. We'll get to that later. That were her fathers, and Jacob stole unknown, and Jacob stole away unknown to Laban the Syrian, in that he did not tell him that that he fleed, he was intending to flee, so he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed towards the mountain of Gilead. Rachel and Leah encouraged Jacob to do as God says. Isn't that good for a wife? To encourage her husband to do what God says. These women are, are learning also. Okay? But really, men, you should have went on what God said, not really what your wives said. Okay? God will tell your wife whether you're doing right or wrong. I'm convinced of it. Um, the husbands, the spirits lead the family. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a study in this study alone right there. Jacob makes two mistakes in leaving. Number one, he didn't know Rachel stole her father's idols. The idols were thought to enhance fertility. 
Okay, this was foreign idols, not the God of Israel. Here it tells you that Rachel was trusting in other gods rather than the God of Israel. Okay, they were to enhance fertility. And we just went through the chapter of sibling rivalry last week. She was going to do anything to have children for her husband, Jacob. And also, it meant that it's a title deed to one's possessions. In other words, whoever has the idols would have been passed down to the birthright, in the birthright. Whoever owned those idols, who had those idols, owned the property and the, and the flocks. So, so we can see there's a problem there. That was a big deal to Laban. Number two, Jacob left in secret. He ran out of fear. He knew that Laban was able to take his people and, and destroy him, and Jacob really is not a fighting man. The Isaiah 52:12 says, "You shall not go out with haste, nor by flight, nor by nor the Lord uh, for the Lord your God go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard." In other words, you shouldn't flee in haste. You just tell the truth and flee. Okay, and God will protect your rear. That's also in chapter 59 of Isaiah and the fasting. If you fast in the correct way, as I said last week, you don't go bragging about it, you just fast. Okay, then God will be your rear guard. That's one of the, one of the promises in fasting from Isaiah chapter 59. So, Laban catches up with Jacob in verses 30, 22 to 32, okay? Let me read some of the highlights here. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled, and he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the mountain.